Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan with you. This is Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Welcome in to the radio show. Feel free to get involved by texting in 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. Seth Wickersham of ESPN going to be with us in a matter of about 12 minutes, and I am looking forward to talking it over with him, not just on what took place yesterday, but also on Tom Brady's retirement or not <laughs> retirement uh he had an in-depth feature on brady and he was on with scott van pelt on uh, sports center with svp last night and then of course wickersham was the one who had what i would describe as the bombshell story of the whole rams litigation uh back in october with essentially like he had a recorder in the room when uh Kroenke stood up and said he was uh not going to indemnify uh, the league any longer. So I'm curious what his perspective is on uh, St. Louis and the settlement and what wound up transpiring. I think that uh, Stan Kroenke and the Rams are what most people take away from yesterday, although I know a lot of people in St. Louis have adopted the Kansas City Chiefs as their team. Uh, Jackson, uh, your biggest takeaway before I start going off on some kind of uh, tangent. Just the uh... The last two possessions for the Niners couldn't have been much worse. I mean, they looked awful. On the third down on the second to last possession, none of the offensive line was ready for the snap. They just let guys slip right between them and go right after Garoppolo. I felt like the Bengals won and the 49ers lost. Yep. If I could sum it up, I felt right. like the Bengals won both offensively and defensively, even though I was surprised by what I would describe as a passive play-calling uh, by the Chiefs after they failed to get the touchdown uh, at the end of the first half. I think maybe that shell-shocked them a little bit. They obviously had a great deal of confidence at that moment to pass on the three points and go for the touchdown. I know that the plan, of course, was to uh, you know, call a timeout, get the ball. Well, they didn't have a timeout, that, uh, but to, to get the ball in the end zone, I'm sorry, to stop the clock and then kick the field goal. And then it seemed like they got scared, and they got away from what got them to that 21-3 lead but credit the Bengals' defense. The 49ers had that game, and the dropped interception by Tart is the thing that certainly would stand out, but clearly Jimmy Garoppolo just not having it. And I almost feel like that's being polite. Right. It's a euphemism. Um, that stood out at the end, even though they had plenty of time um, when they got the ball back. I had zero, zero belief that they could move the ball down the field, even for a field goal, much less to score a touchdown. Yeah, they, they had nothing. Uh, it was uh, it was eye-opening how bad that was. But it was a 17-7 San Francisco lead. And to lose it in that fashion, brutal. Uh, I had uh, talked about on, on the program here uh, for a few weeks my play of putting money on the Bengals to beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl and the 49ers to beat the Bengals in the Super Bowl. And I threw 10 bucks on both of those just just because I thought, I think people are undervaluing the Bengals. And I could see the 49ers. I didn't have the confidence in the 49ers. This isn't results-oriented. I think they said this on the radio and on my podcast. Didn't have the same confidence in the 49ers that I did the Bengals. 
And so I'll do this. And so I was essentially the 49ers away from hitting on it. The the, the Bengals beating the 49ers was plus 8,000. And the 49ers beating the Bengals was plus 6,000. So if the 49ers win, I'm assured of a minimum of the $600 coming in. I hedged a bit um, to assure profit. But, you know, even if I didn't have any money on it, my preference would have been to see the Bengals win and to see the 49ers win. I would imagine the St. Louis vote would have been 49ers at around 95 to 97%. I know there are some people who are fans of the Rams still, to each their own, whatever. And uh, and I know there are some people in St. Louis, and I would say a large number, uh, who have adopted the Kansas City Chiefs. Missouri football team, exciting football team, winning football team. If you go to a game at Arrowhead, it's an incredible atmosphere. I do not share that fandom of the Kansas City Chiefs uh, at all, but I know that there are some people in St. Louis who do feel that way. I just, I've just i looked at the Bengals for the last few weeks, and I've gone, this is a great team, and when you're in the business of media and then also playing daily fantasy and, uh, and, and looking for value, I was just looking at the Bengals and going, I guess it's because their name is the Bengals and they, they're looked at as a joke historically. But this is a great football team. Yeah. This is a great football team. The Rams, they have been fortunate here. And the uh, tart drop is what will be at the at the front of the list. But beyond that, uh, the inability of the 49ers to move the football with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback and is what, what, you know, stands out as more of a macro issue. So I think that's the last time you will see him as a San Francisco 49er. The image, however, I would imagine for most St. Louisans that that made you nauseous was seeing Stan Kroenke in the Hallis Trophy. That was the uh, that was that was the moment that I would imagine was the one that will stick out for most St. Louis. I didn't. I once they won, I turned it off. I can't watch celebrate. Even though I like Matt Stafford a lot, I like a lot of the guys on the team, but to see what the 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 name on their jersey represents is essentially stand to see him take the trophy it's makes my stomach turn so i didn't i had no interest in watching that so you turn it off oh yeah oh yeah 100 percent. just like if uh someone beat like when the red Sox beat the cardinals in the world series in 13 as soon as the last pitch is done turn it off turn it off don't need to see that yeah i uh you know i, I i'm at a point randy carrick and i were talking as i always uh, cite uh when i'm coming in and he's heading out and uh you know it's not something that uh, anybody really enjoyed but you know with with regards to what I saw yesterday, I, I don't I, I'm I'm ill in the sense that the 49ers gave it away. Right. That's the thing that stands out most to me. Right. If that ball is caught for an interception, you can never assure anything. But if that ball is caught for an interception, it's 90 plus percent that the 49ers win that game. Now it doesn't mean that they will. That's why I don't say it absolutely. They will. But it's 90-plus percent that they win that game. And so for that to be—and that could not have been a simpler catch to make. It's incredibly unfortunate. Ramsey had an opportunity later on to make an interception. Uh, It wasn't as easy as the one that Tart dropped, but uh, that that changes the world. And uh, the play calling on both teams' parts uh, was was suspect. But, you know, the the Rams have Matt Stafford and the 49ers have Jimmy Garoppolo, and at its core, that is what it gets down to as being— the difference 
in this thing. Uh, let's see. After the Rams won, I turned the TV channel, so the interception that was dropped by the 49ers hurt me more than anything. That's from the 314. Uh, no way I would have watched that piece of ass receive that trophy. That is from <laughs> the 260. Uh, I'm gl- just glad both teams got the ball in the AFC game. Can't do this overtime shishawali crap anymore. That's from the 314. The one thing I would tell you is my opinion. You will see the coin flip uh, determining the way things play out in overtime uh, for one more game, and that will be the Super Bowl, and they will change the rules. I think that is over. Even though the NFL got fortunate in the sense that the Chiefs didn't go down and score a touchdown yesterday, I don't think you will see that again. I don't know what the change will be. Um, My recommendation not that anybody is particularly asking for it, but my recommendation is to keep it as it is in the regular season. I understand it from a player safety. You have 18 weeks of football now, 17 games for the teams. You don't want to just have the games go on and on and on. But in the postseason, you will you will do everything you can to get a, a play call right by the sliver of an inch on a game in October with a replay and play it back and forth and wait five minutes for that. But now you get to the postseason and you're just going to let a coin flip potentially dictate the outcome. And as you heard yesterday, Tony Romo, not when he was talking about the Bengals (laughs) letting the Chiefs score to take the lead, bizarre, or the Chiefs falling down the one to grind clock, bizarre. But he said when the ball was sailing through the air, I think it was the team that wins the coin toss in playoff games, 10 and two going into that overtime. Now it's 10 and three. Um, that it is a huge advantage, that I would imagine what you will see happen going forward is you play a full quarter. Mm. You play a full quarter. Yes, there will be a coin toss, and that, of course, would be advantageous. You're not going to see somebody defer, at least most likely you won't, depending on the conditions, I suppose. Uh, But I would imagine that you will not see people defer, that you just play a full quarter. To that's, That's what I think the solution is, as simple as that, that you play a full quarter. So, yeah, somebody can win the coin toss, receive, and maybe they grind eight minutes off the clock, but now the opposition will receive the football back and know what they have to do. That is what I believe the solution is, and I will put a small amount of money, I will put a small amount of money on that as being what you will hear over the next five months with the NFL rules. I think that will end if that game goes into overtime with the Bengals and Rams. That'll be the last time you see it. Ideally, the Bengals win 50 to nothing, and it's not an issue, but that is what I think you will see. I am in favor of just, if so say you win the coin toss, you don't go score a touchdown. The other team gets a chance to score a touchdown. If they score a touchdown, you keep playing. If they don't, it's over. At least they get a chance. I think they're close right now. They just, they can't be you lose a coin toss and there's a possibility you don't touch the ball. Mm-hmm. So I think just getting a chance to score, and if you make the two-point conversion, you win. Uh, I think that's the way to do it. But I think a full... I just think a full quarter in the you're saying in the playoffs, right? Not the regular season. Yeah, I think that's probably more probably what they would do just to give everyone a chance. So uh, we'll discuss a variety of topics coming up here. Seth Wickersham is going to join us uh, on the uh, Brown and Crouppen celebrity line in a matter of moments. He had a, an incredible feature on uh, Tom Brady and the retirement or not retirement this past weekend, but it was not on whether or not he's retiring. It's on what Brady is planning on doing. In addition to no one nationally covered the Rams and the St. Louis lawsuit better than Seth Wickersham. I mean, he was in another world with the information he had. 
So I'm looking forward to that discussion in addition to, of course, talking about what took place yesterday as it, uh, he wrote about and talked about with Scott Van Pelt earlier this morning, uh, his, uh, his interviews with Matt Stafford and Stafford's decision to go to Los Angeles. So that conversation is coming up on the other side of the break. You are listening to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to McKernan with you here on 101 ESPN. It is our pleasure to welcome to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line from ESPN, Seth Wickersham. Seth, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Very good. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. Great piece this weekend on Tom Brady and uh, and his retirement. And I want to start there. Um, you clearly have uh, uh, information, rapport, uh, knowledge on Brady's uh, mindset and what went into this decision and uh, uh it, it sounds like it's not about shutting it down so much as starting the next chapter and being intrigued by business so uh i would like you if you could seth to to, to give our audience some perspective on what you've learned about what he would like to do beyond playing the game well i don't think he's walking away for any one reason i think that it's like a combination of a ton of things and, you know, one of the things that's the most basic one, it's really, really hard to play pro football. He's made it look so easy to play at a high level for so long that, you know, maybe we forget and take for granted, like, how hard it is to, to do that. And, um, you know, I think the thing was just at the box, you know, he was raised in a very, very disciplined and attention to detail style of football. And, the Bucs are a fantastic organization, but it's not what the Patriots were. He left for a reason. And when you have, I'm not saying this is why he's walking away necessarily, but you saw the way they lost the Rams, isolating a safety on Cooper Cup. Like sometimes you're just not as buttoned up as the Patriots were. I think that they're about to go through a lot of roster turnover. You know, starting over with teammates all the time can be tiring. Clearly, his wife has wanted him to walk away for a long time. He often says, you know, is this a Tommy day or a family day because he's so committed and driven in the offseason. And then I think finally, you look at this season more than any other. He really started to transition into doing a lot of other business endeavors from his podcast to his Brady brand. And I think that those really excite him more than people realize. And, you know, the people who have spoken with him, say that he speaks of the potential for the Brady brand globally combined with the TV 12 wellness stuff that he's done with the type of passion that he's spoken of football. And so I think, and then you finally look at the fact that, you know, he hates buses and a farewell bell tour would be a bus times a million. And I think that it's the right time for him, uh, you know, to walk away. Seth Wickersham, our guest here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan with you. Seth, uh, specific to Brady and the beginning of his rise, uh, it was against the Rams, the St. Louis Rams in, in Super Bowl 36. Uh, and, it, and it may, in fact, come to an end against the Los Angeles Rams last week. Was that something that you think he went into that game 
knowing that that might be the end for him, or was it something that you think he has come to terms with over the last eight, nine days? Oh, I think, you know, we're started to leak, you know, maybe with like a month and a half left in the season did, you know, he just, it looked like this was it. And, you know, Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington had that report a week ago um, that he was noncommittal about returning to the bus. And I think that, you know, was very accurate. I think that he's, I think that this is, this hasn't been a sudden thing. I think that he's been coming to terms with this for a while. Still, that doesn't mean that it's easy. That doesn't mean, obviously, he didn't jump out and rush to validate Jeff Adams' report from this weekend. I think that this is, his wife has said, football is his first love. And he has said, football is his first love. And the void that it's going to leave, he's spoken of, you know, seeking therapy, knowing that, like, nothing is going to replace the game that he's played really since his freshman year of high school every year. And so um, you know, I think that this has been a slow roll. And, you know, obviously it's been something that he's been thinking about for a long time. Even though he's spoken of playing until age 45 and into his 50s, he's known that this could end at any time. And um, he's choosing to end it on his own accord right now. Seth Wickersham with us here on the show. I want, to, I want to hear what you think about what took place yesterday. As you can imagine, in St. Louis, people were not happy to see Stan Kroenke with the Hallis Trophy. Um, and a lot of people in St. Louis have adopted the Kansas City Chiefs as their team. Not everybody, but a good number of people. Um, what specifically, if you take one thing away from yesterday, whether it be a play or a moment or an image, stands out to you the most from two games that were decided by a total of six points? I mean... These last two weekends have just been astounding. I mean, you're talking about every game that basically goes down to the last possession. I mean, it has been an unbelievable, um, you know, last couple of weekends. But I think, here's what I think. I mean, clearly the things that stand out to me are in the earlier game, the end of the first half, and Patrick Mahomes deciding to dump the ball off to Tyreek Hill, take a chance that he could beat two guys and get into the end zone. That decision right there, the failure to get points in that drive, ended up being the difference in the game. And the Chiefs obviously, um, you know, were just completely throttled in the second half. And then I think late in the game yesterday, when Matthew Stafford hits Cooper Cup on that input, it takes it down in the 49ers territory um, late in the game. I mean, that is what they traded to get when they traded for Matthew Stafford, the person who can make that throw under those circumstances in the highest leverage moment. And Cooper Cup is, I mean, to me, he's been one of the biggest stories of the season. I mean, what a baller. What a clutch guy that guy is. Yeah, you know, with with regards to Matthew Stafford, I, I saw you talking about it with uh, with Scott Van Pelt and, and some stories in, in your conversations with him. I mean, this is what he had been longing for is to get this shot. He got it. He makes that pass, and and now he is indeed off to the Super Bowl. What kind of rapport do you have with with Stafford and insight into um, his mindset uh, going into the season with the trade from Detroit to Los Angeles? Yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time with Matthew over the summer. And at one point I did ask him, I was like, so what do you want out of the rest of your career? And he, whenever he was signing autographs, he was signing memorabilia, and he stopped signing for a second. He said, look, I just want to 
play in big games. I want to have the chance to make big throws in the biggest moment. And he wanted to see how good he could be. And clearly in the playoffs, Matthew Stafford has not been a perfect quarterback, but he has made those big throws in the big moment. I mean, what he and Cooper Cup were able to do at the end of the Bucks game was phenomenal. And, you know, the fact is the 49ers really had taken control of that game entering the fourth quarter. Yeah. And the hardest thing for a quarterback to do is to turn the momentum back to his team when they clearly lost it. And he was, it wasn't pretty all the time, and he got a little lucky. But, like, he was able to do that. And I think that, I think that Peyton Manning and Eli Manning on the Manning cast were talking about it. Um, you know, once you get your playoff win, he hadn't had one until the season. Once you get your first win, it'll loosen them up. And I think that it loosened them up quite a bit. Seth, your coverage of the Rams and St. Louis and the litigation was second to none nationally. I mean, I, your insight into the Stan Kroenke uh, refusal of indemnification uh, in October was, I mean, it was a masterpiece in reporting. It was, it was, it was absolutely something to behold. Um, so I want to get your perspective on St. Louis's decision to settle. Um, was that something that surprised you based on the information you had? No, I think that you're rolling the dice anytime you're going to court. And, you know, they had, you know, for as much bluster as the league had put out about this lawsuit, you know, the league was at the table and they were ready to settle. Remember, it would have been, I think the trial would have started a month ago, right? January 10th. I mean, it was. January 10th, right? I think that that's what it was. Yeah. So, like, you know, it, we, it would have been colliding with the Super Bowl. I think they had a lot of leverage right there, and I think that they made, you know, I think they made the best decision. I know that there's a lot of fans at the University of Missouri. I covered the Rams during that first Super Bowl run in, in 1999. I remember how loud the Dome could be when they had a great team, and I don't blame a lot of Rams who wanted more than, you know, almost $800 million. But I think it was a very prudent decision. I mean, the, the NFL has good lawyers, too. And I think that any time you go to court, um, it's, a, it's a big risk. Yeah, I, I think what wound up happening here locally is a couple of, I don't even know if I would call them reports, but whatever. There certainly was discussion, Mike Florio with, with one, and then uh, Conduct Detrimental podcast, which I appeared on. Uh, they were talking about the possibility of St. Louis either getting billions of dollars, not millions, but billions. But the thing that really got people titillated, Seth, was the talk of uh, an expansion team being included in a settlement. And so when the number was $790 million, not billion, and when there was no expansion team, I think, and no trial, because I think people understandably wanted blood. Uh, I think, I think, I'm trying to get into the, the, the psychology of, of many in St. Louis. I think that that is what then made people feel like $790 million was not a win, because all of a sudden the bar had been set, perhaps at unrealistic places, with an expansion team that most likely was never going to happen, and a trial that I personally would have loved to have seen happen didn't think was real likely to happen either. I anticipated a settlement. Do you understand where I'm coming from? I think that people in St. Louis started to think that some things that weren't realistic were realistic, and therefore a $790 million settlement came off as disappointing. 
I do understand that. And, um, you know, Mike Florio is a great reporter. He's got a lot of good sources. I, I've asked around um, at high levels about that, you know, how realistic the expansion team was. I never was able to, to get any information that was solid on how real that was. I think that it, you know, if that had been the precedent that, that the league chose, first of all, having 33 teams, I think you're, it's a problem given, you know, there's only, you know, a dozen or so quarterbacks who are actually really good and adding teams might delete the product. Number two, I don't know if they ever would have wanted to set that as a precedent for a team relocating. And, you know, the league has left St. Louis one time. And when they did it, Stan Kroenke and the league ripped St. Louis on the way out. And, you know, I just, I just don't know if that's a relationship that has a ton of upside. Um, but all that said, I think that this, I think that St. Louis, you know, I think they got a good settlement. I think they handled everything properly. They, again, remember all the bluster coming out of the league office. The St. Louis lawyer, you know, Bob Blitz and company, they had a case, and they clearly demonstrated it, and they had a massive, massive settlement. Um, you know, out of the NFL, that, you know, it caused problems. As, as I reported and other people reported, you know, there was, there was a lot of information about the dynamics with this case and who ultimately bore financial responsibility for it. It was a successful lawsuit in every way I can imagine from for the city of St. Louis. Final question for you here, and we'll get you out of here on this one. Is it going to be tougher for teams to relocate going forward because of what took place between the city of St. Louis and the Rams slash NFL? I think so. And it's not going to be just politically, right, the owner versus the city. I think that the lead and the owners who, who approve relocation are going to be much more reticent to approve a relocation. I think that there was a moment in time when there was the dirt for L.A. and then obviously the Raiders left, the Chargers left their homes. And I like that, I cannot see that happening again. There was too many owners who were too pissed off about having to open their books mm-hmm the St. Louis lawyers and deal with that for something that they thought was not nothing they had anything to do with. And, you know, I, I do think it's going to be incredibly, I think that owners are going to be much more reticent to approve a relocation. And we'll see how that plays out down the road. Think about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do they ever think about Jacksonville, possibly for London? Who knows? Maybe somewhere in the state. Yeah. You know, how will that stuff play out? Then you see the Buffalo Bills with their stadium issue in New York. It looks like they're going to get it worked out, but they don't know for sure. I don't think they have the leverage of relocating quite like teams did, you know, three, four, five years ago. Sure. Los Angeles is now full. That was the uh, that was the one that got a lot of stadiums built for a lot of teams around the league <laughs> over the last, yep. you know, the first 15 years of the uh, of the century. Seth, once again, uh, outstanding reporting on the uh, the Kroenke indemnification story and this piece on ESPN.com uh, over the weekend on Tom Brady. Absolutely outstanding. Major recommendation for people to go and read that. Seth Wickersham, uh, University of Missouri journalism product as well, here with us on Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. Seth, thank you so much for the time.
My pleasure. Thank you. All right. That's Seth Thanks, Whitaker-Sham Seth. with us here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Your thoughts on what he had to say, 65780. We played a couple clips of uh, Bob Blitz, who he made reference to, uh, one of the attorneys involved in the St. Louis lawsuit on TMA this morning. And uh, I don't know if they they transfer over to the uh, system here at 101 ESPN, but I'd be curious what people think about a couple of those clips. We'll play those for you coming up on the other side of the break. He is specifically asked by Frank Cusimano on uh, KSDK last night uh, about the possibility of a team in the negotiations and uh, also as to why they settled when they did. And I think for a lot of people, when they see Stan Kroenke holding up that trophy, Last night, it reopened the wound. And to know that in his brand new building, uh, his team, which was our team, will be playing in the Super Bowl is the ultimate kick to the midsection. Uh, So with that all established, Blitz happened to be on television last night. We'll have a couple of those for you coming up. You are listening to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Balloon Party, 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan with you here on the show. And uh, I deep teased this following our conversation with Seth Wickersham of ESPN, who you can go back and listen to on the Dobbs Tire and Auto Center's podcast of Balloon Party. Subscribe, download, enjoy. Uh, That Bob Blitz appeared on Sports Plus last night. And I saw on our TMA fan page on Facebook, come on in, join, enjoy the discussion. Uh, This morning when I woke up around 5 in the morning, people were talking about the the piece, and my understanding is it was, uh, as we say in the television business, a package, which means it was probably a three- or four-minute story, and I wanted to go back and see it. So I went to YouTube and typed in uh, Bob Blitz, KSDK, and the raw interview um, was up, and 16-minute interview that Frank Cusimano of KSDK conducted with Bob Blitz. And so you were able to see the whole thing and also see and hear the questions uh, that Frank asked him. And uh, I thought that a couple of them were worth uh, playing here on the show. Jackson, uh, we have those ready to go for our audience. Yeah. Correct, sir? All right. This one is uh, Bob Blitz being asked why he decided to settle uh, why they, I shouldn't say he, it's not like he's calling every shot, why uh, St. Louis decided to settle when St. Louis decided to settle. Uh, because your case was so good, why settle when you did? Why not wait to the actual 11th hour? Well, just think, if you'd have waited three days longer, you had a case from Oakland come down where the federal court threw Oakland's case out. Now, it was a little different theory they were using, okay? But they threw Oakland's case out against the NFL. Second, you have the COVID issue. Are you going to be able to get a jury on January 10th? And if the courts issue an order saying we're closing down all civil litigation two or three days later, you're not talking about uh, the courthouse steps being January 10th. You're talking about the courthouse steps in a year from now. Now, I have to tell you, my, my reaction to that is one of surprise uh, for the purpose of being just straightforward with you, the audience. Um, I, that wasn't the those weren't the two answers I would have expected. Uh, and my reasoning is this. You're making the decision to settle November 22nd, November 23rd. And I would imagine you have a wide variety of reasons to answer now 
when he's doing the interview in late January as to why you settled on November 22nd or 23rd and then cite future events that would take place on December 1st and then a COVID spike, which did not take place until December, that is, again, I probably could come up with a more vivid adjective, but for lack of a better adjective, surprising. Why does what could happen in Oakland have to do with settling in St. Louis? I don't know. Why does a potential COVID spike that would wind up happening in mid to late December have anything to do with the decision that was made on November 22nd? Now, I recognize that when you do this, what I am doing, asking questions that don't have answers, automatically you are framing it unintentionally, and I am doing this unintentionally, as if there is nefarious, suspicious, illegitimate behavior going on. And that is not my intent, so I want to make that crystal clear. It's just not the way that I would answer the question personally, because those could not have been the reasons why you settled on November 22nd, because those events had not taken place yet. So if you have Mayor Jones, County Executive Page, and the attorneys sitting in a room on November 22nd, you're not saying, well, I think there's going to be a COVID spike in late December, and therefore we won't have a trial on January 10th. And I think they might throw out the Oakland case, so we should settle. That just isn't necessarily the way that it would work. I also want to emphasize this, the Oakland case, and he says, well, there were some different factors there. They went down the Sherman Act road. What's the Sherman Act? The Sherman Act's antitrust. That's why it wasn't going to win. That's why it was tossed out. St. Louis didn't take that road. So you're essentially talking about apples and oranges as far as litigation goes. So that was surprising. The COVID thing to me is just a bizarre answer. I don't know what else to say. I have to be honest with you. And by the way, I want to make this clear as well. I'm somebody who wanted a team but didn't expect we'd get a team. And I'm somebody who won a trial, but didn't expect we'd get a trial. And I'm also somebody who's thrilled that the result of this is $790 million. And I realized then the next thing is, well, what do you think we're going to do with it? I think it's going to be wasted. Look who's in office. It's going to be a mess. And all that may be the case, may not be the case. I don't know. But I just, I feel like it's when you're talking politics, you have to say, well, I'm a liberal, I'm a conservative, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican. When you're talking about the St. Louis litigation, you have to like state your credentials and where you are on all these things. So this might put me on an island that this is where I am. All of those things being true, I think the answers to that question, which was a pretty straightforward question, were rather surprising is the word of the day. Here is the answer to the question when asked about the possibility of another team coming to St. Louis in negotiations with the NFL. This is Bob Blitz on KSDK. Was the team option, St. Louis getting another team, ever brought up in your negotiations? No, and that's and that's another thing. Um, you can't file a lawsuit to get a team back. No, There's no... There's no way that this this the team come back to St. Louis. Uh, that if they if you tried to, you'd be uh, if 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 I had a grandson who was a lawyer, he'd be trying that case after he became a lawyer. I mean, it's just there are certain things. The law is a funny thing. There are certain things that are you can get under the law, and there are certain things that you can't. Blood and uh, and bringing the Rams back are something you can't get. And I don't think that Frank, although I haven't talked with him about it, was asking if the Rams could come back to St. Louis. would be amusing. Uh, I think there would be more people cheering for the other team in St. Louis than there were yesterday in Los Angeles. But 
I believe he was asking about the possibility of an expansion team. And for the record, as much as I would have enjoyed that, I never thought it was going to happen. To be crystal clear, doesn't mean I wouldn't enjoy it. I'd enjoy being 6'2". Not going to happen. But for the purpose of having straightforward discussions with the audience, I want to, I want to be clear on this stuff. So that struck me as a unique way to answer what, again, was, I thought, a straightforward question. Um, so, again, happy about the $790 million. Happy about it. Certainly. Didn't think we were going to get an expansion team. Didn't think there was going to be a trial. Wanted a trial. But when asked why you settled, and when asked about another team, those were just not the answers I would expect. What did you think, Jackson, when you were hearing? I realize I'm framing it. So I'm fr- I know how you do things in media and social media. You essentially frame the reader or listener's mind before they even read or hear the story. So I recognize the game. I'm not trying to manipulate. I'm trying to give my opinion. But I heard those answers, and I'm like, I'm anxious to hear his answers. And then the answers didn't necessarily line up with the questions. I felt like I was back interviewing Quinn Snyder again. Right, and I think that the reason that the relocation thing was ever on the table is because the leverage that St. Louis had with the amount of money that was being discussed. And so when Frank asked that, it's a very pertinent question. And for him to address the Rams coming back, which would be a really strange turn of events for them to leave SoFi Stadium and come back to St. Louis, I just, I, either he misunderstood the question or just answered it like that. And that right. That's what's confusing to me. Yeah, so on, on, the, on the other team thing, I suppose, you know, uh, b- but as far as why they settled when they did, you know, I think that those answers just I'm, again, I'm not saying that they're not true. Yes, if if you don't have a trial on January 10th and it gets pushed back, some of your core witnesses, who knows what the situation is? If you don't have the trial, then it kicks back. Then that means it delays inevitable appeals. I get all of that. I, I mean, I, from my standpoint, it's this: we had 790 million dollars guaranteed that was not going to go through an appeal process and that was going to be wired over within a month. And we knew we had it. And for St. Louis to get that, it's an acknowledgement on the part of the NFL and on the part of Stan Kroenke that St. Louis was not treated fairly to the tune of nearly a billion dollars. And we know we have the money. To cite Oakland's case and to cite COVID, I just don't get it. Yeah. I don't know what else to tell you. It's a it's just, it's not, it, it's, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I don't know what to say. The Oakland case thing makes just, it's It's totally, an antitrust case. Yeah. It's, it's an antitrust case. Apples to and oranges. And listen, I didn't even graduate from Missouri in the journalism school, so I am the first one to tell you I'm not a lawyer, but I know that one case was a separate discussion versus an antitrust case, and the antitrust case is the reason why they didn't have any, have any room. Right. They're not going to win that. That's why it was dismissed, and it was held up on December 1st. So that, that was surprising. And COVID, I don't, I mean... You know, I don't know. I just was really surprised by uh, those responses. I, I, I posted the link on the TMA fan page if you want to join it. It's on Facebook, uh, but it's on YouTube. You can just type in KSTK interview Bob Blitz, and you can see it on YouTube and, and watch the whole thing. And from my standpoint, listen, I know people have things going on. You have uh, family responsibilities, professional responsibilities. But if you can, you, and you have 16 minutes to just watch the interview, you can hear the questions and hear the answers, but also see the reactions and so on and so forth. I think that's helpful. Um, I don't know. It was well worth the 16 minutes this morning. That's what I would tell you. All right. We got a break. The fastest uh, 60 minutes in radio, Jackson. I feel like we just started and the show is almost over. But coming up, uh, what'd your grandma think? Uh, Jeff Garcia made an appearance on a San Francisco radio station and it didn't go well. We have that for you coming up next. Balloon Party, 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Sometimes the media asks bad questions. Not not a good question. Like, Coach, uh, how cool was it that it was a Wisconsin player that uh, sank the winning shot? Well, they're all Wisconsin players. Or... I'm doing a story about New Year's resolutions, and I was just wondering if you had any you wanted to share with your fans and our readers. Yeah, no, not right now. Okay, thanks. And when that happens, players will fire back. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? Stop asking me stupid questions. Now it's time for... So what's your grandma think? It's an inside joke wrapped inside of an inside joke. Wrapped inside of an inside joke. Wrapped inside of an inside joke. Uh, Jeff Garcia, not a fan of Mina Kimes' criticism of Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, we don't do results-oriented on this show. Right. We trust the process. Absolutely. And uh, Mina Kimes' assessment of Jimmy Garoppolo last week was accurate, and it's even more accurate this week, in which Jimmy Garoppolo clearly was in over his head yesterday uh, and uh, and had no chance of, of coming back once the Rams had taken the lead. Jeff Garcia said she never played the game. Why do we listen to these people? He appeared on a San Francisco radio station, was asked about his comments, and it didn't go well. Here is so what your grandma think. Wait, all I said was, you've never played the game. Well, you don't know that, what it's like to be on the field. Well, why not Stop apologize? With me. Well, I'll get off the phone right now. I'm not going to talk about this crap anymore if this is what the conversation is going to be. We, I was brought on to talk about the 49er game. Hey, hey that's Jeff, yesterday's news. It's history. It's old. It's old. Move on. Jeff, Move on. it's not old. Oh, Jeff, man. you. Hey, we told you that we were going to bring this up. You're again, you're playing the victim to the whole media circus. Screw that, man. Jeff, the idea that we're the the, ones that are on the field being critiqued by 75,000 people, by who knows how many media, by millions of people watching. We have to deal with it every day. I stood up for my, not my teammate, but hey, a fellow 49er. That's all I did. Why? That's all I did. First I'm of, ready to move on. Hey, you guys have a great day, man. I Jeff, you, you knew we were asking about you about hey, this, and, and you acknowledged that's why you were going to come on. Hey, you acknowledge. He's still on the field, Stoney. He still thinks he's playing. He still thinks he's playing, Stoney. That's too bad. <laughs> so, what'd your grandma think? <laughs> Perfect. So uh, didn't go didn't go particularly well. Jeff yeah. Garcia on the uh, San Francisco uh, radio station 957 uh the game. That's going to do it for Balloon Party 101 ESPN BK Ferrario. I guess this is going to be therapy for BK today. Uh <laughs> talking about the Chiefs loss that's coming up next. I'm Tim McKernan. Thanks for listening to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.